I'm going to share my uh, my screen with you, so we could go ahead and start with our our session for for tonight. We <clears throat> we continue with our spiritual disciplines, and today we're going to focus on how to study the Bible. And we are equipping the saints for for the purpose and spiritual disciplines. It's very, very important if you want to be uh, in the work of God, if you want to be in ministry. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. So when we discipline ourselves, the main purpose is to become more and more like Christ. The main purpose is godliness. In the past, we have looked at different spiritual disciplines. We talked about God's word, the discipline of prayer. You know, daily praying and daily reading of the Word of God, and also the discipline of worship. We we have looked at how good how good God is to us and how big our God is. We also looked at the discipline of serving. How can I serve in the local church as part of my spiritual disciplines? And we also looked at meditation, just being pre silent in the presence of the Lord and meditate on God's Word. And we are going to continue with that today. But we're going to look at through reading the Word of God. And also we have the uh, spiritual discipline of fasting. And also have the spiritual discipline of evangelism, where we share the Word of God with other people. So we also have the spiritual discipline of journaling, writing down whatever God is revealing in your life every day. So these are the spiritual disciplines that we need to focus on in our lives. The Bible speaks of us becoming the doers of your word, of God's word. Actually, James chapter 122 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. God wants us to move away from just being the hearers of, your, of God's word, and we become more of the doers of the word of God. That is God's purpose for our lives. He wants to see us live according to his word. He doesn't want us to be full of the Bible knowledge or information, but he wants us to be full of doing what God's word says. Knowing the word of God is not enough. There are a lot of people who know the Bible. There are a lot of people who, who read the Bible just for information. They know the Bible stories. They know the birth of Jesus Christ. They know the story of Goliath. They know the story of creation, but it has no personal meaning to them. The word of God becomes more personal when we change from just hearers of the word but become the doers of the word. God wants us to move from just being hearers and become doers. The discipline of meditation or thinking about God's word is the only way to translate us from being hearers of God's word and we become doers of God's word. Meditation is simply thinking about how I can apply this word in my life. You make it personal. You personalize it. When you personalize it, you become more of a doer than just a hearer of God's word. There are two words that I want to introduce to you today. Some of you might already know about these two words. The first one is the word logos. And the second one is rema. Logos word and rema word. Both logos and rema, it simply means the word of God. Both of them, it means the word of God. But Logos, what it means is God's word as recorded in the Bible. is the knowledge, is the information of God's word. That's a general information where you know about the history. 
You know, that's recorded in the Bible, be the history of the children of Israel. Or the history of creation. Whatever history that's recorded in the Bible. Or the history of the birth of Jesus Christ or John the Baptist. You just know the Bible story. Or the history of Paul. His journeys. When he moved from one city to another in the book of Acts. You may know all those things. But that's, a, that's just logos. It's just dry word. Or you may know about the miracles of Jesus Christ. You may quote all of them. Or you know all the Bible stories. That is logos to you. It's just word. It's just word. But then the second word is rema. Rema is the word of God spoken to us at a specific occasion. Rema word is more personal. When I read about the story of creation, what does that mean to me personally? How can I use that knowledge in my daily life? When I read the story of Paul, how does that story help me in my Christian walk? When I read about Samuel, it should not just be a story, but then how does that apply to me personally? Remember word is personal word. Logos is just general. Remember word brings conviction in our lives. Remember word changes us from being hearers to doers. It becomes more personal. It becomes more personal. Rema word, it helps us, you know, as we go through the through life. Rema word will always be there for us. That's the one that Bible says the Holy Spirit will remind you of everything that I have taught you. That is the Rema word. The Holy Spirit will remind us of what God said to us. Whether He gave us a vision, whether He gave us a dream, whether He gave us a direction where to go. Sometimes you reach a point where you forget. Remember where the Bible says the Holy Spirit will remind you what God said to you specifically. Not what God said to the church. Not what God said to the world. Not what God said to the community. But what did God say to you as a person? And God will only speak to you as a person when you meditate on his word. And I want us to look at what we call inductive Bible study. Inductive Bible study is when we study the word of God, we read the logos, but then we start to convert the logos into rema. So inductive Bible study, it focuses on one passage. We focus on one passage only. And then we want to move towards something. We want to move towards discovering the rhema for us. What is it that God is saying to me as an individual? What is it that God is saying to me as a person? How do I convert this word, this Bible knowledge, and I convert it into personal word for me, for my family, for my life, for my job? For my ministry. How do I convert this word to me? We are moving towards encountering Jesus. We encounter God as we read the word of God. I want to make this not just a general knowledge. I want to make this not just information. Because when we read general information, it just informs us. It brings information to us. Yes, we have information, but God wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God's word should not only bring information, but it should bring transformation in our lives. After we have read the word of God, there must be a change. There must be a difference. You have to encounter Jesus in his word. 
We must be transformed by the word of God. We must, something must change in our lives. That's what we call inductive Bible study. There are some few steps that I want us to look at. Number one, let's look at what, Timothy, uh, what, what Paul said to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Which means there is a wrong way of dividing the word of truth. You may misinterpret the word of God, but we have to study. We have to study. So let's look at how, how do we study the word of God. Number one, we do observation. When you read the passage that you have selected, you observe, you make some observations in, in that passage. Number two, when you do those observations, what are the things that you look for? You look for emphasis. What are the things that are being emphasized in this word? What are the things that are being emphasized in this passage? What is it that God is emphasizing? Look at contrast. Contrast simply means opposite. What are the things that are opposite in this passage? And you try to observe them. Repetition. What is it that is being repeated? And it goes back to emphasis. The more it is repeated, it is the more it is, in other words, it is being emphasized. Look at similarities. What are the things in this passage that look similar? What are the words that look similar? Comparisons and contrast. Can you compare this with this? Cause to effect. Cause to effect, that's why you see the words like if, then. If you do this, then this will happen. If you obey, then you will be blessed. If you listen to your parents, God will bless you with long life. So you see the if and the then. The if and the, that's a cause to effect. And it always applies in the word of God that some of the things that happen in our lives, it's because of some causes that we have done. I, know I gave an example the other time that some of the, uh, you know, our decisions that we made, all decisions have consequences attached to them. You don't have a choice as to what kind of consequence you want in your life, but you have a choice of the decisions that you make. All the decisions, they carry consequences. And some of us, we are still paying today for the decisions we have made yesterday, for the decisions that you have made five years ago. Even today, you are still paying for that. The decisions that you made 10 years ago, some of us were still paying for that. So you have to make sure that the decisions that you make today, they have an impact in your life. Not only in your life, but they have impact also in your children's life. They have an impact even in the next generation. And the second one is interpretation. How do I interpret? What does this mean? And we interpret it. And the last one it's application. And that is the main purpose of Bible study. Every time you read the word of God, the main objective is application. How do I apply this in my life? If you do not, if there is no application in your life, that is just logos. You have to move from logos to rema. You have to move to a point where you understand how do I apply this in my life. You ask some few questions, application questions. Ask application questions, you know, like that will help you understand the text. Questions like, what is it that God has revealed out of this text that I should believe about God? Is there anything that I can believe about God? Is there anything that I should praise God or thank God or trust God for out of this text? What is it that I get out of this text that I've just read? 
Is there anything specific that I should pray about for myself or even for other people or for my pastor, for my family, for my community, for my co-workers, for my colleagues? Is there an attitude that I need to change? Is there any attitude or anything or my way of seeing things? Is there anything that I need to make some changes on? Is there any decision that I need to make right now? You, you make it more personal. It's between you and God. When you read the word of God and it does not become personal to you, it's just logos, it's not a rhema. We have to change from just hearers of the word and we become doers of the word. Is there anything that I should do for the sake of Christ, for the sake of others, for the sake of myself, for the sake of ministry? What is it that I have learned that I need to do out of this? And I want us to look at this passage. In 1 John chapter 1, We'll read the first 10 verses. It says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. Verse 3. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Verse 9. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and show that his word has no place in our hearts. In this passage, we see John who wrote about Jesus. John was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. He was an apostle, one of the apostles. So John knew Jesus Christ. And he, he wants to, to bring a point across. And he tries to convince us before he could bring the point. It takes him about seven or eight verses before he could bring the point that he wants to bring. But towards the end, he brings the point that he wants to bring to us. But before he could do that, like a very good expert, experienced attorney, experienced lawyer, experienced representative, he, he strengthens his case. He brings a strong case of how much he knows about this Jesus. 
And he spent the first four or five verses explaining to us of how much he knows about Jesus. And we start to see all those things that we were talking about, all those steps that we were talking about. We see it being revealed here in the book of 1 John chapter 1. And I want us to go through each verse and we try to dissect it. The first thing that we see about John here, he says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. In other words, you must have confidence about this person that I'm talking about. He has been there from the beginning. He has been there. He's the Alpha. He knows everything. He knows the beginning of everything. And he said, he, I, I, don't, I just don't know him as the person who created everything. As somebody who was there in the beginning. He says, whom we have heard. How? Now we see John, he brings some senses here. He brings senses. He says, number one, I have heard. I did not hear about him. I did not see him on Facebook. I didn't see him on Twitter. I didn't see him on TV. I did not hear about him on the radio. I did not read about him on the newspaper. I did not read about him in the book. But I have heard him. I have listened to him. I have, uh, that's how close I, I was to him. Not only heard, but I have seen him. I mean, what more emphasis do we need? He said, this person that I'm telling you about, I have heard him when he talked. What I'm going to say to you, that's what I've heard him say. That's what I've heard him speak. But I have seen him. So I did not even hear him only. He's trying to emphasize that he knows this Jesus that he's talking about. He was working with him in ministry. He was his apostle. He was his disciple. He served with him for three years. So he says, I heard him when he speaks. And also I have seen him. And he continues to say, oh, we saw him. Not only saw him. Look at, look at him repeating again. He says, I saw him with our own eyes. Emphasizing again. He's emphasizing. He's repeating. I saw him. But I've also seen him with my own eyes. And he continues to say, number one, he says, I have seen him, I've heard him, and he continues to say, and touched him. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. What more conviction do you need? If I say, I know this person, I've heard him when he speaks. I have seen him when he speaks. And I've even touched him. <laughs> Not only touched him, he keeps on emphasizing, touched him with our own hands. What more do you need? Like a great lawyer who knows how to, how to present a case. How to present a case. He says, I have, I have seen him, I have heard him, I have touched him. With our own hands. He's the word of life. I know. He's the word of life. He is life. In John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God, and nothing was created without him. So, he's the one who created life. John 10 verse 10, he says, I'm life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So, this person that I'm talking about, he's the word of life. Let's go to verse 2. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. God revealed him to us. And we have, he repeats the same emphasis. And we have seen him. There is the repetition again. 
He keeps on emphasizing that this Jesus that I'm talking about, I know him. I know him. I did not just hear about him. I have worked with him. I have seen him. I have, you know, I have touched him. He has been revealed even into our lives. In other words, he has been confirmed in our hearts. It has been confirmed in our lives that yes, this is the Messiah. This is the one. It has been revealed to us. And he moves on and says, and now we testify and proclaim. In other words, we are, we, we, we are representing him. We testify about him. We bear testimony about him. We proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He is eternal life. He is eternal life. Those of you who are with us when we did the spiritual discipline of worship, we have seen that eternal life does not mean perpetuity. Eternal life does not mean time and time and time and keep moving. And, no, eternal life means outside time. It means without time. There is no time. That's eternal life. Because God lives in eternity. God lives outside time. So he can see everything that's happened in time. God lives outside time, but he created the universe and he put in time in the universe. Time only exists in the universe. Outside the universe there is no time. And that's where God lives. So he was with the Father. So Jesus that I'm talking about, he came from the Father. And then he was revealed to us. He keeps on emphasizing that Jesus comes from the Father. He comes from heaven. Verse 3. We proclaim to you. So what are we, what we are saying to you? It's what we have seen. We proclaim to you what we ourselves. I did not hear from anybody. I did not read it from the newspapers. But we ourselves have actually seen. He keeps on emphasizing. That's how much serious this thing is. He has not even told you the message yet. He's still building his case here. He's still telling you about this person who told him. And at the end, he will tell you what is the message that he wants you to know. And heard, so that you may have fellowship with him. He says the main purpose of this message is so that you may also have fellowship with him. You may have fellowship with us. And he says there's a way in which you can have fellowship with us. To have fellowship with him, he says, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He says, we have fellowship, we have a relationship. We have a relationship with Jesus. We have the relationship with the Father. Verse 4. He says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. You can be part of us also. That's why I'm writing this thing. And I will give you the key. I will give you what is it that you need to do in order to have this fellowship with the Father. Now the first five, the first four verses, John is just giving a background. He's just presenting his case. He's just strengthening his case. He has not even come to the merit of the case yet. So when you study the word of God, you look for those words where there is some emphasis, where there is some repetition. What is it that he is repeating? Why, is it, why does he keep repeating this? So that he can also have confidence in his case. So towards the end, he will tell you the real message that he wants you to know. Let's continue verse 5. This is the message. Wow. 
after he has built the case, after he spent the first four minutes, for, for, for the first four verses, trying to explain to you, trying to give you the confidence, then verse 5 he says, this is the message. Now we have come to the gist of the matter. This is the message that we have heard from this Jesus that I'm talking about. This is the message that we have heard him speak for the three years that I worked with him in ministry. This is the message that he kept on emphasizing. He says, this is the message that we have heard from Jesus. And now we declare, we are passing this message to you. The message is, God is light. <laughs> the message is, God is light. That is the message. And the message continues to say, and there is no darkness in him. Look at the contrast. He contrasts between light and darkness. Light and darkness. He says when you are in God, you are living in light. When you are living outside God, then you are in darkness. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. He even emphasized at all. There is no darkness when you are in God. Look at the contrast. Light and darkness. Light and darkness. So we are lying if there is the condition again. He says, if, that's cause and effect. Remember, we talked about cause and effect. If we say we fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, then we are not practicing the truth. There is a cause and effect. If, then, if, then, the if, then statement. So, if we say we have fellowship with God, but still we continue to live in darkness, there is no relationship. You cannot say you are living, you, you are the child of God, but still your life is still in, dark, in darkness. You remember the logos? You remember the rhema word? You remember what, uh, what James says? You should not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. You cannot say you have the word of God, but still you do not do the word of God. You still do not practice the word of God. You still live in darkness. He says you are lying. There's no truth in you. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but at the same time we continue to live in darkness. We continue to live in sin. We are not practicing the truth. We are just lying. We are just lying. Verse 7. And he continues to say, but if... But if, the cause and effect again, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. Then we have fellowship with, if, then, if, then. And these are the things that you should observe when you start to read the word of God. What causes what? What is the cause of this? What is the effect? If I do this, what happens? And he says, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That is the gist of the matter. The gist of the matter is the blood of Jesus. If you want to have this connection, if you want to have this fellowship, if you want to move from darkness to light, the blood of Jesus will have to cleanse you from all sin. He says it's only the blood of Jesus that can cleanse you. And that is the main purpose of this writing. So towards the end he says you have to understand 
That is only the blood of Jesus. But now the question is, yes, it's the blood of Jesus. Yes, I want to move from darkness to light. Yes, I want to start living for God. I'm tired of just hearing the word of God and not be the doer of the word of God. But how do I move? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked that question. Now, he continues to verse to the next paragraph, verse 8. He says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. It's not about you have to accept that you are a sinner. That's the first step. If we claim that you have no sin, if you say you have no sin, there is the cause and effect again. If you claim that you have no sin, then we are only fooling ourselves. If you, if you stand on your own righteousness and say, I'm righteous, I have no sin, I don't need God, then you are just fooling yourself. And he continues to say, and you are not living in the truth. You are living in a lie. You are living in the cocoon of lie. You are just lying to yourself. You have to accept that you have sinned before God. You have to accept that you are a sinner before God. That is the first step that will lead towards the cleansing of your sin. That will lead you towards living in righteousness, living in light, not in darkness. You are not a Christian because you say you are a Christian. You are a Christian because you live a life of a Christian. You are not a Christian just because when you complete the form, you indicate that religion is Christianity. Or in, in your Facebook, you say religion is a Christian. You are not a Christian just because of proclaiming that. You are a Christian because you are living in light. You are a Christian because you are doing what the Bible says. You are a Christian because your sins are forgiven. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Verse 9. But if we confess our sins to him. Hmm. He says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Remember cleansing again? There is a cleansing again. The cleanse that, that comes only through the blood. He will cleanse us from all wickedness. Whatever you have done, whatever sin you have committed, there is a way to be forgiven. How are you forgiven? It's when you accept that, Lord, I am a sinner. I have sinned before you. And I ask you to confess simply means to agree with God. To confess simply means to say what God says. Verse 8 says, we are sinners. When the Bible says you are a sinner and you go to God and say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. That's confession. I am a sinner and I am sorry for doing that. And the Bible says when we confess, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God can forgive your sin, my brother. God can forgive your sin, my sister. No matter what you have done, no matter what you have gone through in life, God can forgive your sins. People may not forget. People may not forgive you. But God can forgive you. God can forgive you if you confess. If you go to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I ask you to forgive me. People may, may remember what you have done two years ago. People may remember what you did 25 years ago. People may remember what you did yesterday, but God says, I don't remember what you're talking about. Because he is forgiven. I have forgiven him. 
Some people may even go to your profile and search for you on Google and they search everything that you have done in the past. Yes, they may find a long list of the bad things you have done, of all your sins that you have committed in the past. Whether it's on Facebook, on Twitter, everywhere, they go and search for you and they will find you. Yes, they will find your sin. But God says, I don't remember. Even if Google remembers, I do not remember. Even if your community remembers, I do not remember. I have forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven. I have cleansed you from all unrighteousness. That's the power of the blood. That's the power of the blood. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. If you say you have not sinned, we are saying God is lying. When God says you are a sinner and you say I have not sinned, then you are saying God is lying. And it simply means that his word has no place in our hearts. Even if you know his word, but his word has no place in your heart, you know that the logos, the rhema is not in your heart yet. The rhema is not in your, in your heart yet. Once the rhema is in your heart, once God speaks into your heart, then you will accept that, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. As you go through this passage, there are quite a number of things that we have learned here. We see John building the case of how much he knows Jesus. So when you read the Bible, when you read the Word of God, you look for those things at the end, you ask yourself, how do I make this personal? What are the things that I see here? It helps you to trust God, to trust that the Word of God is the truth, to trust that only Jesus' blood can wash my sins. Nobody can wash my sins. Nothing can wash my sins, but only the blood of Jesus. And if the blood of Jesus, if it can wash your sins, once your sins are washed, God says they are washed, then you become clean again. You become whole again. You become righteous again. You don't become righteous by trying to be righteous. You become righteous only when your, your, your sins have been washed, have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. There's nothing but the blood of Jesus. What is the blood? All of us, we have blood. For us to be able to live, we need blood. Blood brings oxygen and nutrients to all the parts of the body. So they can keep working. Blood brings oxygen. Oxygen, it means life. Without oxygen, there's no life. So it's only the blood of Jesus that can bring life to you. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the true living way. So it's only the blood of Jesus. So without the blood, there is no life. Without allowing the blood of Jesus to cleanse us, there is no life. Blood fights infections. It fights infections. It fights anything that is not good for us. It fights sin. The blood of Jesus will help us to live a life that is pleasing unto God. The blood of Jesus. When we talk about the blood, the blood carries carbon dioxide and other waste materials to the lungs, to the kidneys and digestive system and to be removed from our bodies. The blood, it circulates around. It moves like, like a garbage truck. You know the truck that removes waste, waste management? That drives around our streets to pick up our dust bins. 
it pick up anything that is not good in our in our in our for our health for our environment and it leaves our streets it leaves our houses clean that is exactly what the blood does it circulates around your body and it carries all the waste materials anything that is not good for your body anything that is not good for you and it takes it to the lungs to the kidneys to the digestive system so that it should be removed from your body you exhale anything that is not good for you you exhale the carbon dioxide because it's not good for you and you bring in oxygen that is good for you the blood of Jesus it will take away anything that is waste in your life it takes away the sin that is in you it is only through the blood that our sins can be forgiven without the blood of Jesus there is nothing that we can do your church cannot take away your sin your pastor cannot take away your sin your bishop cannot take away your sin your own righteousness cannot take away your sin you're trying to do some humanity and trying to be nice and do things good things to the community you cannot take away your sin some people they are trying to establish these nice organizations you know human focused organization sometimes they focus on trying to save even animals you save a whale you save a crocodile you save an elephant because you have a sense of guilt you feel like you have to do something good it cannot take away your sin it's only the blood of Jesus John says I know this Jesus I've walked with him I've heard him speak the only thing that he kept on emphasizing is the message of the blood this is the main purpose for writing this to you is so that you may know that it's only the blood of Jesus that can cleanse us blood removes anything that is toxic anything that's a waste in our bodies and the blood of Jesus will remove anything that is not necessary that is not needed in your life sin can only be removed by the blood of Jesus there is there's no substitute you know in life we have substitute sugar we have substitute salt we have substitute for everything these days you even have substitute for meat but when it comes to sin unfortunately there is no alternative there is no substitute for the blood of jesus john says it's only the blood of jesus that can cleanse us that can remove all the waste that can remove anything that's poisonous anything that is toxic in our lives it's only the blood of jesus so when you read the bible when you read the passage we have to find out what is it that is trying to emphasize what is it that is saying to me you don't just read the bible to, to have logos you don't just read the bible to have information you read the bible for the sake of application transformation so you change it from logos to rema the blood cleanses us it helps us to stay healthy emotionally healthy yes spiritually healthy you can only be healthy emotionally and spiritually through the blood of Jesus honest to sing this song that talks about the blood of Jesus and I believe God is going to bless us as we 
enjoy this song about the blood of Jesus.